everybody, and welcome to This Week in X for Way of X, number one, presented by Crushing Comics. I am here with my X-Men fans from around the globe from me, Tyler, Faria, and Harry, and we have gathered to talk about Way of X number one. It was out on the 21st of April, 2021, and this comes with a substantial warning. This comic touches on the themes of everything from Jonathan Hickman's Age of Krakoa so far. So if there's an X-Men book you haven't read yet, chances are we might spoil it in this conversation. But also necessarily, we're going to have to talk about other things happening in the Marvel Universe and in the past of the X-Men as well. And in, in this discussion, I'm almost certainly going to mention at least one recent DC Comics thing as well. So this is a spoiler-filled discussion, and you have been warned. A special note for this Way of X discussion, we have decided to segment this from our other two books to discuss this week because we just have so much to say. So if you're looking for our typical intro chat get to know you portion, that will be on our other episode where we are discussing X-Force number 19 and also Sword number 5. Here we are just going to jump right into our reactions to Way of X number 1. Way of X number 1 has so much, just so, so much to dig into. It was a double length issue, but even if it hadn't been, there's just so much thematically. So I'm asking for first reactions without getting too far into the thematic stuff. Just what was your reaction to the issue as a whole? How did it make you feel? And uh, without getting too deeply into what it made you think, starting with Tyler. Uh, this issue works on many levels, um, but you know, the first and foremost, it is actually a follow-up to X-Men number seven. And yes. it also answers the question of one of our missing Omega Reality Whopper mutant, which I believe is important to the Krakoan Endgame. Um, I mean, it, it crosses over into many... I mean, it touches on a lot of themes that that um, is present in a lot of um, titles in during this era, like New Mutants and perhaps X-Factor, and also a small Easter egg to sword um, the most notable thing about queen's art which i'm not familiar with is the expressiveness i laugh out loud so many times during this <laughs> issue because of all the <laughs> so that was really funny um, the only thing that sort of didn't quite work for me is the colors which seems a bit muted to me so um, i have to dock some points off for that um, overall, 4.8 psychedelic mushrooms out of 5. <laughs> Harry. This is one of the best single issues I've read in a long time. Uh, I can't even begin to talk about how much I love this issue. Uh, it is incredibly rich and dense while also being so freaking funny, but also incredibly creepy. And it takes those two disparate feelings and melds them in such a clean, efficient way. Uh, and it's also an excellent book about Nightcrawler and gets into just so many themes of doubts and and belief in such an, a, a, an interesting way. And it's kind of, this is the book that is looking at all of these weird things. And it's finally putting a direct focus on them with a really interesting narrative and I just, I've read, I think I've read this book like five times since it came out. I really like it. I'm going to give it uh, just a straight five nice, happy feelings out of five. All right. Freya. So I hated it because there's no hundred issues of it already <laughs> in front of me. Like I said that before that, you know, I was hyperventilating for S.W.O.R.D., this one, I'm sorry for the mental image, everyone. I rubbed one out because this is <laughs> mutants. This is like competency. This is everything that I have been asking for and I've been wanting. And oh my God, like it's like I can't, I can't eat my iPad because that's weird. <laughs> if I had the physical issue, I would have Probably eaten die. it by now. But oh my God, like I, I can't. I can't even. It's like thousand points out of five. I don't know. I mean, oh, so good. So well, good. Freya definitely followed the instructions of telling us how it made her feel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> which which is genuine. Look, I 
I mean, I have so much to say about this that I'm not sure we're even going to fit into the episode. The, if I distill it down to the smallest point, it's saying something that needs to be said in this Krakoan age. It fits in a way that is unique to this title, and it's a way that there is a thirst for, both within the books and for us as readers. And that's all you ever hope for for any number one comic book launching in any publisher from any line, is that it has something unique to say, and it almost fills a hole that either you knew that was there, or you didn't even realize that was there. And I think that this filled both. Right, It filled some things that we've needed, and it filled, fulfilled some things that I didn't even know that I wanted. And to me, that's good comics. There's a point that a comic can make me feel so good, so energized, so page-turning, but not wanting to turn the page because there's more to absorb, that to me, that's a perfect five. I don't. I, I have a couple of the faces I didn't love, I have a couple color moments I didn't love, but um, when a comic is that good, and not just the writing, but Cy Sperrier, Bob Quinn, Yava Tartaglia, and Clint, Clayton Cowles, especially the lettering is what makes this work in a lot of cases, all coming together. Mm-hmm. That to me is perfection. So this is one of the one of those true five out of fives for me in the age of Krakow. And there there ain't a lot of them, but this is one without a doubt in my mind. So uh, this issue has so much. And I'm just going to try to take a path through it that I can figure out. But before I do, I want to just say that we we don't have Zach, our friend Zach Rabroff, on the panel right now. And Zach is kind of our good to go to for Zach's mythological slash religious slash uh, you know philosophical corner. And so while we all can contend with that content, we don't have um, who is generally our true expert. And if you're looking for some content to increase or or deepen your read on that, on Comics XF, Jude Jones and Anna Peppard wrote a tremendously great article about Way of X. I really try not to read other people's reactions issues first, but it's essential, and I really recommend it to you. ComicsXF does so much great coverage every week, and this one has my personal endorsement. And then also, our friend uh, Robert Secundus, who is that on Twitter, exactly as I said it, uh, did a tremendous thread digging into some of the theological concerns around this comic. I RT'd it on Crushing Comics, so you can go and take a look at that as well. And certainly, as I speak to some of the theological concepts, I am drawing much from what I've learned and observed from them over the course of the few days of discussion of this as well. So I just feel the need to put that caveat out there by way of my introduction. So Kurt is writing something. Is it the X-Men Bible? Is it the Learner's Manual to Krakoa? He doesn't really know yet, but he's titled it the Floregium. Floregium in medieval Latin is a compilation of excerpts from other writings, but it also has to do with, if you're reading it literally, defining it literally, the gathering of flowers or collecting the extracts from a larger body of work. So there's already double entendre there. And he says this thing in his, uh, you know, chapter one, verse one, titled Preambles and Brain Farts. In the beginning, Krakoa offered mutant kind a dream of wonder and immortality. I saw only its flaws. I know now that my anxieties arose from obsolete modes of thought rooted in the outside world. Yet in their clumsy way, these anxieties led me to the trailhead I sought. And so the way of X here is quite literal. It's Nightcrawler finding his way through Krakoa, and in some ways, leading us as readers. I mean, in the beginning, Krakoa offered mutant kind this thing, and I only saw it flaw. Flaws. This could be a lot of people on Twitter talking about X Men books. It could be me (laughs) talking about X Men books. I mean, oh my god! It's like no. It's it's, also yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Well, no, just, I mean, I am raised Catholic and it's like a very Catholic perspective of seeing the flaws in yourself and within institutions and trying to find some, some virtue in that. It it very much felt right just from the get go. And, you know, not for nothing for those of us who had Bible verses drilled into our heads, it, it very much mirrors the structure of in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, not to get super, super liberal, or literal rather, <laughs> in our, you know, biblical description here. But the, the next line there is, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, deep, and the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. It's about like, just because you've created the heavens and the earth, it doesn't mean that it is anything yet, which is an interesting mm-hmm. contrast to Kurt saying he saw only the floor and this dream of wonder and immortality because just because somebody made Krakoan culture doesn't mean that Krakoan culture is a thing that exists, that's perfected, that's evolved, that makes sense, that is moral. So that's where I want to actually start the discussion. Sorry, long preamble, but this issue, if anything, needs it. Because this book is very much about Kurt's doubts, and that's where I want to start. Yeah. Kurt has a lot of doubts. I could enumerate them, but maybe it'd be more fun to have you talk about your favorite doubt that Kurt has about Krakoan society, and we'll go from there. So, Faria, what is your favorite or the one you identify the most with the things that Kurt's just not so sure about here is working well on Krakoa? 
So before we get that though, I do want to talk about that first page because oh, okay. that like when I when I was looking at that, I'm like, my God, this is all the people who I wanted to actually like you know beat up, like you know on, <laughs> like talking about like you know Krakow and agents, like you know it was such a like an awful feeling knowing some of the people is like who are talking about like oh mutants don't die anymore and stuff like that. And I'm like, did you not read rest of the? Mar- Mar- like re- any x-men and now i have gone and read them and i'm like oh my god this were these are awful and this is like <laughs> such a fun like you know a thing but even then i was like the most pr- proponent of that there are so many things that's wrong with this there's so many things that's wrong with it and all of that is brought up over here the one like you know and you were talking about like all of, among all his doubts the one that is you know, it's just the fact that how mutants can get their power back like you know it's a it's a it's a horrible thing that they have set up the crucible it's not there's nothing fun about it there is nothing it's there's like a cult vibe feelings about it and they're all like and there is like this one scene where it's like when he says at the very end it's like oh i'm not scared of i'm not worried about that i'm worried about them which is shot for shot something that teller and i talked about about a different issue you know, in our current world as well. And it just kind of brings it all together. And I was like, yes, talk about these things. I don't give a sh- about <laughs> what humans think about mutants anymore. I don't. I want to talk about this. This is it. And oh, Harry, what for you of Kurt's <laughs> potential problems with Krakoan culture? Which one stuck out the most for you? Well, obviously, you know, the Crucible is the biggest one, but like, you know, that that almost felt like like a parody or taking the piss out of Jonathan Hickman's comic where it's just like such a brutal, more vicious interpretation of this tradition, which I find it more interesting because it is it's it's you're seeing this thing from so many different perspectives and Nightcrawlers is just so grim of it, which I find interesting. But but for me, the one that had the most impact was in the beginning. It's just the uh, it's the kids just just entirely just shedding any issues or fears of death. It's just become like a, like a fun ritual or like a sex stand in, you know, where it's like, he doesn't know why this is wrong, but on some deep feeling, he, he knows there's something he's unsettled by it. And, and just watching the culture just rapidly shift in front of his eyes and just not being able to articulate why that's weird. I mean, I feel like that's like a very interesting religious perspective. And I, I think it's like an interesting tone to have for him. And it's a good one to start off the book because this whole book is about being unsure about things and not figuring out what the right level is. So it's just it's just a great, great, great way to start this thing. Tyler, of all Kurt's concerns, what sticks out the most for you? Um, I mean, uh, I, I kind of have to start from the first page as well, which is... Um, I just want to mention something um, sort of um, to set the scene of where I'm coming from. Um, being, I, I'm not a Christian. I have not read the Bible, even though I know certain things um, in Christianity. Um, so certain, like, you know, certain things uh, kind of hit me a little bit more uh, on the head. I said, like, oh, okay. That you know, I mean, the the very obvious one would be the mention of Eden and snakes. That mm-hmm. kind of like you know, it's obvious what it's talking about. But um, what really stru- struck me um, as, I, I mean, should I say that it's clever or you know, or maybe is universal in a way, is that being a Buddhist, I can see certain themes here that works within Buddhism as well. Um, and the very first thing that struck me that works here is that um, the two lines, um, especially the second one, is like uh, Kurt says, I hoped to learn what we ought to believe, but I learned instead how we ought to live, which is really very Buddhist because yeah. at its core, Buddhism um, for lay followers, not talking about monks, uh, is really a guide to how we live our life. And to not go for extremes. So, mm. you know, there's always this thing about the middle path. And here we do see extremes. And I thought, like, um, it's, it's really interesting. And, um, I mean, the first the first thing I think that struck me as, um, like, uh, Nightcrawler's, not so much his doubt, but I thought was really mm. funny and really interesting is that his pushback against Xavier and his 
establishing he he trying to establish himself well maybe not establish but he basically reacting to Xavier more as equal now and not really um one of Xavier's um followers mm-hmm. and which is actually very um um interesting and really um which is kind of, I think, a failure of Xavier's part because he specifically chose three people to put on a council because he thinks that they will vote for him. One has resigned. <laughs> Kurt is obviously not going to vote with him because he's his own person. And Storm, you can bet my life that she is voting. She's a voting, voting block within the three ladies in Hellfire. And not with Xavier anymore. So his mm. three people that he put on this quiet council here is like gone. <laughs> but isn't that a success for Xavier though? That he taught them well that they can be their own people? From the perspective of we thinking that that's what Xavier wants. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. what he wants. But want, I don't think Xavier wants that. <laughs> I think Xavier, <laughs> in this instance, he really wants them to basically just listen to him. Even after all this death. Yeah, Xavier, man. I don't know. I mean, that's Chuck that's man. my my view in the sense, but Chuck, um, yeah. Well, we're gonna yeah. jump a little bit into the story in a moment, but I want to give my reactions to that too. The mm-hmm. thing that Nightcrawler said that really stuck out in my catalog of this issue of of all my many notes is, laughter may be the antidote to horror. And that says a lot about who Nightcrawler is and has always been, right? Mm. Like, he laughs in the face of death quite literally, no matter what is facing the mutants, because he decides early on in Claremont, and we've experienced this in our read, that there's no use being angry all the time. That's not a space that contributes anything when he holds it. And we've seen him return to that anger. It's not that he's never been angry again, but Nightcrawler understands that the best thing that he does is laugh in the the face of horror, laugh in the face face of death. But then, what happens when there's no defined horror? And that's really what he's contending with, I think, in this Krakoan society. There's no moral flaw, he says, but there's something terrible just out of sight. And part of what he's articulating that is that death now is cheap death. It's free, actually. It's free death. It's consequenceless death. So if he has built his whole personality, but also part of his belief and find some joy in this mortal coil in the face of oppressive horror. And now you've not only removed horror, but removed death. Then have you also removed joy? And I think that that's a lot of what Nightcrawler is like wrestling with him here because he's witnessing this younger generation and their conception of joy, which is now very tied up with what Krakoan culture is for them, right? A lack of death, a don't be such a Wanda, don't be so sapiens. Um, their definition of joy now is evolving based on this new thing and Nightcrawler doesn't know how to access joy anymore. And that's, that's a really scary thing for Nightcrawler, just as scary as any big theological gap because Nightcrawler identifies as this joyous person. He tries to play a joke on Magneto, and now we'll start to get into the plot a little bit, and it just falls flat because Magneto turns it into <laughs> an opportunity to sermonize. But before we get before we get to that, we but, have to set up the joke. So, Freya, what do you have to add there? And then I'll kind of, and then we can set that up a little bit. No, because when you said that you know the um, laughter is the in the face of uh, jo- um, horror and death, but isn't that after being a circus person? It right. comes from that, yep. like because yep. you know he th- that's what circus is like it's you know people are laughing while someone is about to like you know plunge to the death death. and you know and then also like the fact that he has always been a religious person but he also died went to heaven now he can't go back like you know that he has all of that baggage with him so he's like i can't i can't even look forward to that what do I have left? Well, and also, mi- laughing in the face of horror, then, is also about Kurt holding up a mirror to himself. Like, he's a, he has a horrific vis- visage. He's part demon until that gets retconned. Uh, and so <laughs> part of being in the circus was people laughing at his horror and him being okay right. with that, saying, laugh at me, that's fine. Uh, and so there's many, many layers to that, and that's why it stuck out the most. So this starts with an actual mission that he actually does need to go on, which is infiltrating this Orcus hub of uh, a school for anti-mutant missionaries as one of their oblique strategies. And he brings a lot of young X-Men along. And it goes well in some ways and not well in others. He does capture Mm. some information. They do kind of disrupt it. Pixie willingly dies because she hasn't had her first time yet of dying. And so she walks right into it. But also, uh, it's interesting because this is clearly, you can read it as a riff on like religious fundamentalism, that they're infiltrating this fundamentalist 
you know, conclave. But at the same time, they have this hall of horrors that mutants have yeah. absolutely committed, including ones from Apocalypse and notably <laughs> Magneto that have held the whole human race hostage. So it's like you can make a draw a line between them and evangel evangelicists. But at the same time, like they've got some real reasons to be afraid of mutants, which kind of underscores the amount of laughter that Nightcrawler brings to it. What did you think? Tyler, about this uh, brief excursion against the Orcus Missionary School. I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting in the sense that it sets up the um, his the whole concept, I think, where um, I think New Mutants is trying to address right now, right? Because because um, everyone... Because, because of the lack of structure in Krakoa, I mean, the kids... Uh, are yeah. doing whatever they want to do, right? They 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 are like basically, you know. Well, you know, we can die now. So what's where's the thrill? The mm. thrill is to I'm, yeah, I'm fully on free his team of there needs to be a school. Like these kids are yeah. out of control. We <laughs> need to like put them in a playpen or something. They're just killing themselves now for the yeah. hell of it. Like, <laughs> and like, and, kill, and also like, killing herself to like make him feel something. Like she puts herself into the refrigerator. She's like, oh, maybe if he kills me, he'll feel bad about killing people in the future. Not that it matters, because if you kill mutants, they're all going to come back. And just yeah. lets herself die. I mean, this is exactly what the Crucible, as brutal as it may be, is designed to circumvent, which is people just knowingly walking into death um, without there being consequence. Of course, Pixie, being on a mission, gets priority for being uh, resurrected, but the Crucible yeah. exists so that people who won't have priority don't just go off and die. Mm -hmm. No, but the thing is, like, it's also kind of peer pressure about, like, first time. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, like oh, yeah. I know, I know, even though they said, like, a first time, but it's, you know what I mean. Like, there's, yeah. like, all that, there's a like, peer pressure. And she did it purely out of peer pressure than anything. Like, it yeah. was like, oh, I don't want to be, like, you know, maybe I want to feel how it is. But seriously, where is the school? <laughs> <laughs> no, where but, is it? But even, even then, right, we, we have been talking about the Krakowan culture. But right. it's, own, it's mostly about talk. Mm -hmm. Here is actually very different because yeah. you see the slang of Krakowan mm -hmm. kids. Yeah, and it's real. And that is yeah. culture. That that is part of culture. Um, and 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 also the fact that Kurt is like, wait, hold on, I am kind of like the old person here. Like yeah. I don't understand what is happening. What's a yeet? Kids. Right? Yeah. Like <laughs> well, what are they doing? And What's TikTok, guys? Yeah, and then. <laughs> And then I love that callback to Kurt's power where he disappeared into shadows and only his eye shows. And, yeah. and, then, and then he scared DJ and DJ said, uh. <laughs> so, so I thought that was funny. Um, but I mean, that's why I say, that's why I think like it, this issue in and of itself works on so many different levels. And it's, it's just, it's just good. It's a and rich then also text. Those those also those people who are like, oh, why should mutant go to the go to a uh, island? You know, because that means racist one. Oh, just look at that that page where there's like mm -hmm. a hall of horror. You don't want them as your neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> maybe beak, mm -mm. but rest. Yeah, mm -mm. Well, beak's and a good neighbor. The other thing I I kind of um, noticed as well is that um, in Xavier's uh, chat, um, you know, that's. Oh! Um, he has the three pictures, right? Yeah. And two of them are of his kids. Um, because one is um, the uh, Zandras, mm -hmm. and then the one that he's holding up is Gabriel and Legion mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. the dad's face torn off because, you know, Xavier learned of Legion only when he's a teenager. So he wasn't there in the picture. So he basically tore off the, the guy's face. Yeah. So who is the guy in the middle? It's just him. Like himself? Yeah. No. Oh, is it? Oh, you mean the middle picture? I don't know. Well, we're going to get into a lot more Xavier stuff, yeah. but I want to I want to follow this Nightcrawler thread from the beginning of the issue just for a moment. So, Nightcrawler does some amount of disruption on this Orcus Missionary School, and he comes back, but he has Blink, who's a long-distance teleporter unlike himself bring back one of these Hall of Horrors monuments, which is Magneto with some version, real or imagined, I'm not sure, of his missiles from X-Men 1963 number one. And he thinks it would be kind of a funny gag to, um, you know, make light of this and show it to Magneto. Magneto kind of uses it as a moment to grandstand. And, uh, partially because he thinks that Nightcrawler has really missed the mark on turning it into something funny, and also that he's missed the mark to use it as 
an opportunity to sermonize, which Nightcrawler promised he was going to start thinking about. So, you know, Freya, what do you think here? Magneto has often been shown as kind of one of the centers of myth, one of the centers of belief on the Krakon Isle. Do you think he's kind of in the right to call out Kurt a little bit here, or is he just being an old fuddy-duddy? Uh, no, I think he, he definitely is, because he is the one that who keeps on saying that I expect more from the mutants. That's his thing. Like, you know, we see him say that in Excalibur, last issue of Excalibur. We see him, like, you know, even in Sword, like, you know, and even here, that, you know, I expected more from you. And I think in a way, he's also saying, I expect more from my boyfriend's student. Um, so, <laughs> I, and, and the thing is, like, also, like, it kind of plays into the whole Germans are bad at jokes. So they're both Germans, <laughs> and that they're bad at jokes like in professional uh settings sometimes (laughs) if you work with somebody who's from germany and grew up in germany sometimes they are slightly more humorous humorless as i am actually in a professional setting it's it's a thing in certain right so it's so i think like you know that's one of the reasons he was not like you know very like like he was disappointed by nightcrawler like it's like Mm. i expect like i don't think he would have cared if it was blink or one of those kids he would just give them uh like a sermon and but the thing is the fact that it's it's him like you know it's like that's where it is and also there's like a costume change that's over here that is very significant from another costume change that you know we have talked about like it's just like he went back to his better days and then you know so that's one of the things i think he was trying to do like you are reminding me of my old days that i have grown from but here you are still holding on to your old religion and all your thing and you will keep on saying that you're going to do something and you haven't done something and you're wasting your time doing that um i'm not sure whether this was here or a little bit later somewhere because he also talks about his own faith which is very interesting given his jewish background because you know it's it's, just, it's because that's something that i've always kind of wondered that if way of x is going to explore that because if the mutants are supposed to go for a new faith and everything um but then you they all came from their own human different human cultures and everything but he's the one who was persecuted by humans because of his faith and you know because that was like a whole other thing so i mean that's one of the, that's something that kind of jumped out at me as well it's like okay so what does that mean did, did he kind of moved on from that as well well this is where we need just need it zach see yeah. i i had a different read i think magneto comes off easily the worst he's looked in all of these books he is really? a yeah he's a giant dick in this issue and i think a lot of that is tied into the data page from uh uh, nemesis where it's basically suggesting that that the resurrections are basically kind of leading towards this warrior culture uh through like uh, prejudice resurrection resurrections and what have you and he kind of says it the most where he's like in lack of traditions or kind of like ideas or cultures the strongest figures will kind of assume control and just cuts to magneto and magneto you know like yes it's the crucible and she wants it to happen but he kind of brutalizes this poor woman he really beats her up and like stabs her and like he just comes off super like just blunt tool almost like savage in this and i i I view that almost like like from this book is so centered on nightcrawler's perspective that but yeah i don't think i think this is easily like like i i was kind of surprised that compared to another book we covered this week where he kind of comes off more like nuanced and balanced that he does not have a good look here uh to me um but well, i think uh, it's really interesting to think about the order right like does this yeah. happen first and then he shows up in the in the purple and red in mm-hmm. sword because he kind of is reflecting upon this moment with kurt or does he have the purple and red on in sword and then kurt confronts him with it and he's like i just i just gave my monologue about this in front of you in the council but like you're, you're not thinking about this critically enough it kind of reads in an interesting way no matter what order yeah. you assume they happen in and so that's you know one of one of the fun parts about the interplay of these books because i do want to get us to the crucible i think first we have to talk about science because <laughs> as we're going to briefly oh. skip over who Kurt runs into slightly before this conversation, because then he runs into Dr. Nemesis, who Freya is recently acquainted with. 
from reading Faction and Gillen's run. And yep. uh, Spurrier at the time did re- write some Doctor Nemesis in X Club. And so he has handled this character before. And this scene just brings up so many questions. It implies that <laughs> Doctor Nemesis, first of all, is growing hallucinogenic mushrooms out of his scalp. It also implies quite heavily that he is the one who engineered Xavier's launch of Krakoa's pharmaceutical arm, yes. which is really yes. interesting to think about because we have not dug overly deeply mm-hmm. into that so far. But uh, he also wants to be the chief and let it be known soul research and development officer of Krakoa, except for law and ethics. <laughs> law. Someone else yeah. can sub in so- for that. <laughs> uh, but, and the, and the, um, I actually have some experience with Dunbar's number. And so I don't want to just monopolize conversation. I'll send it around to everybody, starting with Freya, since she seems so eager to talk about Dr. Nevis's. We're not going to skip you, Tyler. Don't worry. I'm just trying to make sure that we're, we're getting a little bit of everybody here. But then don't <laughs> steal Dunbar's number from me, because that's what I'm going to talk about when it comes back around. Freya, what did you think about this chief science officer moment with the psychedelic Dr. Nemesis? So since I found out about Dr. Nemesis, I've been asking everyone, like, you know, everywhere, even though I don't have social, like, do you know where Dr. Nemesis is? Do you know where Dr. Nemesis is? Is he coming back? Is he going to be anywhere? So the fact that he's here and then he's like in his full glory, oh, like, Mm, so good it's so good bring the x club x club back but i just wanted to say that you know the some of the things that he is proposing that he is going to be specialized um (laughs) to study time shenanigans which is very important for if you are a mutant it's very important uh mostly ethical pharma which is important mostly ethical is important fertility and sexy time i was like tell me more about that let's have a bunch of issues about that um and then you know genetic diversity program which is scathing note to sinister you know i was just laughing i laughed so much at this page and then also the fact that he's like everything is like director dr nemesis because that's him. He thinks that yeah. everyone else just sucks and everyone else doesn't know anything. He is the king. And it just showed up so well. And then the fact that it was a mushroom head all this time, but <laughs> not actually a hair, like a like a cap thing, it just blew my mind. Oh my god. It's it's just perfect. Everything about No, I thought I thought the mushroom head was new, right? Yeah, it's because, new. Oh, that's new. No, it's it new. is new. No, no, yeah, I know. Yeah. I thought that it was a he- it was a hat. Like, oh, I thought it was like a fashion hell. thing, you know, it was like, I was like, what is he doing? Because I saw uh, like an image somewhere of that. Some like, preview, before, uh, yeah. Yeah, preview I pages. Yeah, preview pages. I was like, oh, what is that? But then I was like, oh no, mushroom. Hey, dude. Yeah, he's just. Oh. I'm just, I'm just growing it. Like, see what I'm you can do. Dealer. Like, in addition yeah. to yeah. all my science duties, you yeah, you know, do it as a mushroom, and then, the, and he's also kind of showing off his his power, his uh, what he can Ability. do. Like, yeah. this is this is his his saying that I was like, hey, if you give me the resurrection thing, look at what I can do, yeah. young people. Do you want some mushroom? Yeah, and, I, I try. You know, yeah, it's like eight, <laughs> eighty years ago. I really, I really modified myself so that I don't puke. Yeah, right, because right. he's actually a golden age character that gets yeah. repurposed exactly. during like a Fractal's long time. Run. Yeah. Harry, yeah, what did you think about sci- science officer nemesis here? <laughs> well, the data page is just funny. Like that's that's kind of like the biggest thing is that this guy just got the ego the size of the island itself. And then I mean, that's it's the final line right at the bottom. Like, shut up, sinister. You don't have a monopoly on this. Stick to your dreary eugenics, which is <laughs> just a all time line. <laughs> But no, he's like the perfect supporting character for this because he's the one asking the big questions. He's got that like great spurrier voice. Like it feels like he's going to be one of the characters that kind of crystallizes all of the themes and all of the big ideas and presents them in such like a fun way. You know, this is like an example of just spurrier knocking it out of the park. Like I love this guy. And All then right. also that there, there's the there's the whole thing about science and religion. Like you know, it doesn't have to be versus. It can mm. be working together. And you know, I think that there is a theme of that that is developing over here. I, I do love the running the running beat of like just like people being like, yeah, Kurt, I thought you were gonna start a mutant religion. It's like, yeah, you know, I thought that I'd figure yeah, it out. Yeah, I should have yeah. said that. Like you know, because that is like have... such a abstract idea. Like, yeah, I don't really know what that is. I guess we'll figure it out. <laughs> Yay. So in X-Men 7, he does actually, there is a charge yeah. that, you know, that Krakoa created for him and he goes in there and that's where he got the idea. And then since then, everyone's just like, so are you going to do this? Yeah. <laughs> I feel that's almost a commentary that. on the writers. Just like, I don't know what a mutant religion means. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> but right. it's fun. All right, Tyler. Oh, no. I, I was just going to add like um, <laughs> that I'm surprised he did not this forge. 
because there is experimental murder tech in, <laughs> in one of the specialist <laughs> studies. And it's like, oh, I mean, is and that is like such a low hanging fruit because um, what was what did they call Forge in in the skunk works, like in, yeah. in the original chart? Yeah, so it's like it's easy, you know, so easy for him to like disc Forge here. Um, but he is also the one who pointed out to Kurt, um, you know, he challenged him on his beliefs, right? Because he's like, well, you have fought with and against gods. And yet, you believe the one that you cannot see. Why? Mm. It's a great line. Yeah. Which is that an interesting like, implication since Nightcrawler has literally, as Freya pointed out earlier, been to the Christian heaven. heaven. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> been to and, heaven with yeah. his buddy, Professor X. Yeah. And pirates. Seriously? Pi- that guy is like in <laughs> I need and to then, introduce Professor X to Lucifer from DC Universe, and then we'll like that's fun, not gonna work. And that sort of like ties in like neatly to the scene cut where you know it goes to the idea of like shared ideas to unify society or let the strongest invent rituals. And you know, in it's some huge... ways, in some ways, Magneto did say he is God in House of X one. You yeah. have new gods. All right, yeah. so now they all are. Let's this is the talk biggest little, part of the issue. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to talk a little bit about Dunbar's number, but it's going to take yes. us into that because I think Nemesis's data page. I think if for some reason you happen to be watching this and you're somebody who hasn't been following X Men, you felt sort of like I don't know if I dig this, or if you have one of those people in your life that's like I don't know, they can't die. I'm not sure. Literally, just screenshot Nemesis's data page and send it to that person because it shows that there is a self awareness about this. I feel like a lot of people are like scared that the books are not going to address these issues inside the narrative they absolutely are they just haven't had the right book to do it and i think the data pages here coming come off scathingly nightcrawlers yeah. and nemesis they almost read like fans criticizing x-men from the internet it's like there's it's so, almost like a scathing yeah like a satire of this whole run this was nice but this, by this way is very hot speech this is yeah. Yeah. very hot speech to the this, people who said that Right, it's this wild. is what I have said. This is my speech. Well, but it cuts both ways because it's a speech to them and and kind of to the X-Men too. And in that, mm. I want to talk about Dunbar's number. They explain it very well in the issue. It doesn't need a whole lot of other explana- explaining. But it's this idea that there's a finite number of complex interactions you can have with people. You might be able to remember other people's names. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's a polite myth to say that you can have societal bonds with more. Than, and it's, sometimes it's 120, sometimes it's 150. But th- past that, you don't have a societal bond with that person. And this came up for me in my first experience working in a tech startup. we I was person number 23 at that startup, and at a point we had about 150 people. And our CEO was a big uh, believer in this Dunbar's number, and he was like, as we get bigger and bigger, I want to try to do things that um, help us enforce the bonds with each other. So he'd always try to have us go out for lunch with people that are not in our department. He had a video game that we would sometimes play that had people's faces to see how quickly we could like type their name in department. He tried to do anything he could, but he was fighting against something that's ultimately you can't fight against, which which is at a point, there's going to be some, that 151st person you're not going to have a relationship with. Maybe people can handle some more people, maybe some people can handle less, but um, that's the way a burgeoning society works. So when House of X and Powers of X happened, this society, it was formed around a core of the Quiet Council and probably, let's say, anybody who had actively been an X-Men. That was probably less than 150. It was probably less than 120. It was really easy to have three general laws spoken by your friends or acquaintances in the Quiet Council (laughs) that everybody understood and would interpret in a similar way. Right. It's like saying at the startup when there's only 24 people, just don't leave your dish in the sink. Right. It's really, really easy to not when you're 24 people. But then when there's 150 people, you have to have a security camera in the kitchen to figure out who keeps leaving their dishes in the sink. Because... Not everybody has a societal bond to anybody else. And that's Nemesis's whole point here, is you didn't think what would happen when this society went from a small collection of people with direct bonds to each other to an actual community. Science already has ideas about this, but you haven't gone in to put any belief into place. Belief actually works better than laws because people share belief. And the thing that happens when you don't put belief into place is people start believing things on their own. They make their own culture. The kitchen adopts its own law 
flaws regardless of who's supposed to lead things in the sink or not. And this exactly describes the Krakoan problem. And as Nemesis describes in his data page, it describes, as everybody I think at this point is hinted at, that the strongest people, the loudest voices, are the ones that begin to define the rules when you don't have any rules. So Dunbar's number, it, it's a thing in real life. You can see it all the time in internet communities and Discord's gone wild <laughs> after they are actually quite kind in the beginning because people stop having uh, in, interactions with each other. So this kind of, I think this scene burst it wider open. I yeah. think Kurt had his doubts to begin with, but Nemesis is like, your doubts are real, but they're not just theological doubts. They're not just moral doubts. Don't just look for the moral flaw. You can explain this in a scientific way as well. Peter's Dunbar's number corner is now over. I open the floor to reactions to that and also to take us into our discussion of the Crucible as one of these things that has sprung up from the loudest, most powerful voice in the room, Apocalypse, who's not even in the room anymore. It's it's like the most, I think it's like the most important data page in like literally all of these books. Because this is the one, because the thing about the Crucible and that Hickman comic was like it, like a lot of the things that Hickman was introducing is that it's like intentionally ambiguous. You can see this as a beautiful thing. You can see this as something possibly sinister. This is the book that's saying, no, 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 we're going to focus on everything sinister about all of this. And this data page is basically suggesting just through what you're saying, just through like just course of events, like this is becoming like this can become a somewhat barbaric culture that focuses exclusively on warriors and rewards that kind of mentality. And what does that look like? And I think the book's positing not great as it stands, which is. Super interesting. I'm kind of shocked how much, at least my read, this book kind of like made Krakoa look kind of bad, uh, which was super interesting, though. So as the ambassador for Krakoa, um, I'm going <laughs> to propose a different interpretation of this. Ooh. So, the, so the this is exactly what I was screaming about all this time, because mutants becoming this is actually doesn't solve any of their problem, but this like accelerates all of their other problems they didn't have all this time to think about. They couldn't think about it. They And the thing is the fact that you were saying that this is a nation of warriors and stuff, mutants are warriors. That's what they have been all this time. They cannot shake that, no matter Isn't how the much idea they- idea of this island they don't have to be? But like, the thing is, like they can't. Utopia. They can't get over it because the older yeah. the council is filled with older people, older mutants, and they're who filled with people all... who've had to be warriors. There's nobody exactly. on that council that hasn't, other than well, Doug died a warrior. Everybody yeah. on the right. council has been a warrior. Yeah, they're all warriors. They're all. They're, that's all they have seen is the fight, fight, and fight. The thing is, Crucible, and in a way, like you know, it started off. It's it is an apocalypse idea. It's it it came from the most from apocalypse apoc- idea ever. It's it's, it's the most <laughs> yeah. apocalypse. Like his bad interpretation of Darwin theory. It's personified over there, and I was so happy to see that because that shows two different things. It's like you can be here, you can hang around, you know. But you're not going to have your power. We can't let you die because that makes us look bad. So if you want your power back, honey, come over here. We'll, we'll get your power back. But you have to show us that you want. It also shows that mutant is just not about power. It's, it's, you can be mutant, but your power doesn't make you mutant. But the thing is, in, this, in issue 7, when the Crucible was first introduced, it was, it was Melody Guthrie. Mm. Her whole family was there to help her. Her whole family was there to raise her up, take her there. And then, you know, they had the fight. And then, you know, it was such a good thing. This time it around... It wasn't even just her her her, 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 her blood family. Her yeah. found family was there her too. Her found family was there too. Yeah. Mean, and, then, and, and then the way that Apocalypse kind of made... Apocalypse made it tender. Like, you know... For, for Apocalypse, he made it like so, like it's like, it's okay. You know, like, you know, he was making it like warrior. He was making it, ah, like, you know, you're doing something so noble. And then that's what happens. When that person is gone, when you leave this ridiculous, cha- like, you know, idea out there, a second, per- uh, someone else is going to fall in there and they're not going to be kind. They're not going to, because they don't, that, like the follow-up person, Magneto, he's the master warrior. He's the warrior of the mutants. Like, he is not going to be kind because he's going to treat you like, you know, like, hey, whatever. Like, 
stabs this Cash. woman like, like yeah times. and then and then the, this woman doesn't have a family she doesn't have a found family she was there but all by herself and she had, later they felt like oh she was in pain the whole time so she was fighting with pain they didn't ask they didn't do anything so everything just fell apart Wait, the other has, thing about yeah the other no, thing about the done no no the other thing about the dharma theory i was talking about is like see how exodus lost control of the children yeah. Like, see you, issue seven, or how he had them captivated. They were not, they were like listening to every word. Now they're like, wait, yeah, the passion brand? Yo, man, did you hashtag that? It's like, and it's like hey, wait, what is password man? You up. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, what is password man? It's like, what the hell is that? It's like, no, let's just reel it in. So it's like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. on. We are so talking like, about one thing. Yeah, we're talking about one thing. And it's like, and, but the thing is, it's Exodus. It's ben, yeah. like Bennett Duperis who lost control. Like, you know, who lost control of the little bit of e- e- mutants. I mean, everything about there is just such perfection about how this this society is failing. And I love it. I love it. I'm like, like, give me more because this is what mutants should be fighting, not trashy humans. Mm. Tyler? I mean, there's, there's not a lot I could add to this part of the conversation. You guys did cover a lot of grounds. And, um, you know, I mean, uh, I, I think there's only one point that I kind of want to make here is that um, the strength that is being referred here probably does not just refer to strength in power, but also strength in personality. Because mm-hmm. For a sure. really strong, yeah. yeah, because a really strong personality could take over a group uh, and influence it, you know, in many ways, uh, you know, as opposed to someone who has power. So, Shadow King. Well, I, I want to tie that all together with one thing and then move us forward. Something I didn't mention in that Dunbar's number is that Nemesis quite wisely says society's bigger than this number requires abstractions. And ab- abstraction can be anything. An abstraction can be a belief. It can be a, a, a religious law. It can be a codified m- law in your society. But that's an abstraction of what behavior ought to be, right? To find some penal code about like what we should and shouldn't do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, in our lives. That's just an abstraction of somebody else introducing their idea of morality because they can't come and, and share that with us specifically. And that's the whole point of this is that everybody's going to create their own abstractions unless somebody, some central body kind of comes in and does it. So we get this crucible scene, which I think we've covered pretty well now, but here's the thing that I think Freya started to tease out that that comes to pass here, is that because nobody asked this woman what was wrong, or why she was in pain, or who she was, basically now there's just a sign-up sheet, like at an open mic night. You get to the (laughs) crucible, and you sign up, and you're like, I'll take Magneto, and then Magneto brutalizes you, and you die, and like nobody even asks, like, how'd you get to Krakow? What was your power, anyway? Like, we've already progressed past that. And this person wakes up, and it turns out their power is actually quite harmful to other people, and so we get this really interesting scene of Kurt is there because he wants to be there for this person and also for Pixie. He's brought Pixie a cheese toasty is what she was thinking about in her moment of death, but Pixie got resurrected from before she wanted a cheese toasty. We've lost this moment and and Nightcrawler goes back to talk about it in another one of his Floregium pages. He talks about the what journey does the soul undertake during resurrection? What happens to those offcuts of experience that fall between the moment a psych is recorded and the moment of death? So on one hand, we're dealing with that for Pixie, one of the chosen few who, we, you know, everybody's there to welcome her. Meanwhile, there's this other person who died uh, and has no control over her powers and nobody even thought to prepare for that. So it's like a really interesting haves and haves not moment that even Xavier and Magneto are sickened by this woman's powers, which deal with the um, delocalization of gravity such that her body has grown without of the bounds of gravity and Nightcrawler's one of the only ones who doesn't get sick because he's used to bopping around in every direction it's funny. when and he bamps and, and nemesis, nemesis who's just on drugs so Tyler <laughs> what, did you, what did you think about this moment contrasting Pixie's hero's welcome and this woman's nameless welcome I mean that's the thing with um, with 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 this whole Kakoan era, right? We have seen um, scenes where is that is meant to lead us to think in one way, but you know, but here we are saying here, um, Spiro is basically saying, "Hey, hold, hold a minute, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. We have this in place, but have mm-hmm. you thought about what would happen if?" Yeah. If it is someone unknown, if it is mm. done this way, if it's done in a 
brutal way instead of a honorable way, a courageous way, that kind of thing. So there are all these questions that are being asked and using Nightcrawler as the person asking this question, I think is actually really perfect. Harry? Yeah. No, I mean, I just think it's like another like interesting wrinkle, just yeah, like her powers mess everyone up. But to Tower's point, yeah, like this is, it's fascinating that Spurrier's taken this you know, so far, somewhat positive ritual, what have you, and just shaded it so far into the night where it's just like, you don't feel good. And even the scene caps it by having everyone vomit. (laughs) It's like a very, like, it just keeps you like off kilter. You just, it's like things we have been used to, but just putting it in such like a more emotionally queasy way. Mm. It's, I just, I love that. All right, so we have a few topics left to discuss, uh, and I, I want to bridge us to one of them here. Wait, wait, before before that, can oh. I just like? I didn't in, say like, anything about this. Yeah, thing. I'm not going Maria, to every person every time because there's oh. so much for you. But if you have one, <laughs> if you have things to share, please do share them. Yeah, no, I just okay. want to do, to point out like um, two small like Easter eggs. Um, yeah. Jonathan, Jonathan, the the the, the Wolverine is Where? on Krakoa. Where is he? Um, if you go back to one of the page where the kids are playing, Jonathan oh, is there in the field. Yeah. Oh, so nice. um, it is <laughs> the one where um, where um, Magneto uh, is monologuing. Yeah. So right at the right at the bottom uh, on page seventeen, I think. Uh, seventeen of the art. There he is. There okay. he is. And Jonathan one of the other Easter egg. So the other um, Easter egg is when Magneto oh. compresses the missile. He compresses uh, them into the Mysterium, the shape of a pyramid. Oh, yeah. I did notice that. So he does. Yeah, so I reads. thought that was... Like, yeah, so, it was really interesting. Like, so, so, sword, so, so Sword came before this then? Maybe. Sure. Maybe. <laughs> All right, Fria, yeah. what do you want to add to the Crucible and Resurrection, especially Resurrection discussion? So the Resurrection discussion, one thing I want to say that X-Men always... Like, you know, there is like a whole thing about what is an X-Men and what is a mutant and how this should be separated. X-Men always said that how they're the face of the people in, you know, how they are the ones who are going to help people or whatever the nonsense that they spew all the time. And then Kirk, uh, Kurt was an X-Men and then, you know, and did, but the thing is when the woman came to him, he's like, go to the welcome center. That's over there. He did not take the time to t- listen to her, her thing. And that led to all the things that happened like you know because later on she's like i wanted to choose you because they said that you were the kindly ones that you're the kindest or something like that kindly ones well korea has brought us to one of our penultimate topics here which is the kindly ones and it's Mm. layered because the kindly ones it doesn't originate in sandman it originates in euripides because it was a euphemistic reference to the furies in greek mythology now that is also how sandman uses it but before we can even dig into the three people who call nightcrawler on the kindly ones here we have to realize that sperrier is hot off of writing in the sandman universe peter's favorite comic of 2020 hellblazer uh which was absolutely phenomenal it's good it and really, uh, good. It's really absurdly good. And it, it it had this same energy. Every issue was totally dissecting some aspect of modern British life, but looking at that through the lens of the DC universe and, and John Constantine existing in the DC universe. But it's absolutely a commentary on monarchy, on social programs, on all sorts of things told through the lens of horror, a familiar topic in this issue, and Constantine, you know... D- having contending with that horror and introducing sometimes horrors of his own could not recommend more highly here's spurrier basically saying what if i wrote that same book but it was about (laughs) krakoa instead of britain in terms of islands and he also brings in the kindly ones which any comic fan is immediately going to think of sandman even though it has a root in classical greek myth and three different people call him the kindly ones interesting since it represents the furies of whom often are shown as three um Xavier calls him one of the kindly ones, and he frames it as, you understand people in a way I never could. This woman 
refers to Kurt was the kindly ones, and it seems like it's a more literal interpretation, like, you seem kind. Uh, mm. And then a third person who's at the climax of this issue, which I'm really not ready yet to dig into, you gotta just hold it on to it, people, also Kurt calls Kurt a kindly one, but maybe in a slightly different way. So I'm gonna hand it to my Sandman expert here, Faria, just to briefly talk about Kurt as a kindly one, and if that tracks at all to the way that we talk about kindly ones in Sandman, and then we're gonna bring it on home with that final page. Faria. So in the... Co- the, the kindly one is like three women, three women who are different, right. like three, like mm. they are typically women, but it's a three being and one is like the old version, one is the middle, the mother, like, you know, so one is the crone, the mother and the, um, the one that is like, um, she's a more attractive version, like, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like they're supposed to provide three different, um, three different feelings out of whoever's noticing. And the three of them can actually change the shapes among themselves. So it's like the idea that you can be, I, I looked at it as like, you know, there's a kind in different way. Like Kurt is kind in like, you know, different, like, you know, like you said, like the woman is saying that she's literally kind. The Xavier is probably saying like he were always the heart of the X-Men. And then the last character is saying it probably in a different way. Uh, That's how I kind of looked at it. Um, But yeah, sorry. Well, and the interesting thing from myth is that they're not actually kind. They're called mm-hmm. the kindly ones as a euphemism because euphemism. they are the ones who are snipping the strings of your life in the same way, you know, that you might, you know, call God like our heavenly father when he's the cruel, cruel Old Testament God. But the kindly ones specifically, as Freya pointed out, come in a three. And there's another religion that has a three, uh, the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost. So we've got a father here, Charles Xavier who's been looking at his pictures of his children earlier, he's one of the ones who's calling Kurt the kindly ones. We've also got a son, because this Mm -hmm. issue ends with the reveal that perhaps the patchwork man all along has been a representation of somebody whose uh, mentality is often a patchwork of many different Mm -hmm. thought patterns and powers, which is Xavier's son, David Haller, a.k.a. Legion. Legion. But of course, that leaves us too with who is the Holy Ghost, possibly our dear dead Blindfold, the first character within the story to ever bring up Blindfold and by extension, Destiny, still being cold dead and in the ground is Nightcrawler. And that is the context in which Legion calls Nightcrawler a kindly one. Tyler, what did you think about the return of Legion? I, well, I mean, given, given, given all the, um, the, the whole Reign of X uh, promo, I kind of knew that he's coming back and Seasboro basically wrote a Legion story, I mean, run in X-Men before. So it's not surprising to me that he came came back here. What was surprising to me was that, which which was kind of spoiled by Faria in our chat, (laughs) is that Legion seems to know what is happening with Moira. Yeah. In a a very indirect way. He's yes. Like, yeah. Well, have you? And you know of how life? you know how he knows because Age of X, he <laughs> sucked Moira in. It's it's and everybody Moira just thought it was that, a personality, but it was actually it's Moira. not. It's yeah. actually Moira. It's Which Age of X. Which is why we need Mike Carey to write the Moira book. <laughs> okay, so go read Age of X. Go read Age of X after reading Hawks Two. You will see that was Moira's experiment with why if there was no X Men because she's running out of lives and she needs to do it. Moira yeah. is very upset after after um after decimation after everything that happened after Wanda's nonsense and she is super depressed read every one of Moira's line after reading Hawks 2 you would never think that's an imagination that's not one of the personality it cannot be that's how he knows what happened like he knows what Moira is and he's asking the question that I also asked what if someone asked the question, hey, what about all those um, pre-cops? Yeah, what about the pre And he's yeah. here. And then Blindfold was also his girlfriend in yeah. uh, Cy Spurrier's run. So he, there is a reason why he's asking about Blindfold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all coming together. And, right. and there were like a couple of lines. <laughs> I mean, apart apart from apart from that, right, there were a couple of lines um, towards the end of this issue that really, really um, succinctly, you know, I mean, it's so good. In a way, um, for example, Kurt was being blunt with Xavier. Oh, 
the polite fiction of telepaths. Oh, yeah. Oh so my good. god, that was so good. That's how packed this issue is. Is that I wasn't I even gonna throw so that out for discussion, and yet much. it's one of the best Xavier conversations it's, it's of a all great time. Line. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, I, yeah. it's basically Kurt saying that, look, you have never shine from like coming into the mind and pick up any information you want without our permission. So why are you asking me now? Like, why are you And Xavier responds with the same phrase that Nemesis uses, which is fictions, aka abstractions, have yeah. currency in our brave new world. I love exactly. it. I just the, got, um, yeah. The also one of the ones is the penny for your thought is like why am I gonna give you a penny? You're gonna take <laughs> and it you can anyway. take it. That's <laughs> such a it's burn. That no, I mean, was the biggest burn for me. That was like the oh. No, I'm that's why glad, I'm saying yeah. like like Xavier was picking him to vote with him on the Quiet Council. Uh, uh not gonna happen. <laughs> He's wrong <laughs> on all counts. But that's and, but yeah, sorry. sorry. No, 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 go ahead. If you're, you're, if you're still on the same point, because I was trying to move, I was going to move to the second point. Oh, the, because the thing is, like the X Men Legacy by Mike Carey, Xavier is actually the one who would be proud of it, though. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that unless they bring him, brought him back in a different time after his mm. X Force death. But the thing is, that I feel like there is a certain understanding that he has about what X Men he started, what they yeah. have become, and then he has yeah. a certain pride about it. So mm -hmm. I feel like. To him, it's probably maybe he actually put them in there to detract from him, to challenge mm. him. Mm. At least, at least that's how my look into that has always been. Mm. So, all right, Tyler, yeah. final point. Oh, no, um, the second line, the the second part of the uh, another line that I really really liked, which we actually touched on very early on in this uh, episode recording, is that he says that um, Kurt says that they cannot all be off playing heroes and they cannot all be indispensable and that is actually the reason why Krakoa needs structure they need to give everyone a responsibility a otherwise school. they are going to be off doing things like that they are going to be like worshipping people yeah. coming back from the dead they are going to kill themselves off just to get the thrill of dying and being resurrected especially when it is on a mission and you know, and all sorts of things that that is happening here. So that was I thought that was like so well and so 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 pointed written here, right? I mean, that's that we need we need school we need that school. Yeah. We, I was it's, just it's, yeah. It's it's was, like you know, and but that's what I'm saying. Like everything that I'm scared about, where Krakoa is circling down, every point has been made in yeah. this. This Wait, book also, it's, it's it, already down. We're already there. Like, there are issues. <laughs> the other thing also is like, is Kurt living in that windowless dollars tower? I hope so. I think so. Well, um, another question. Did yeah. Kurt die here on the final page? No, no. Probably it not. seems an awful lot it. like Legion like is disintegrating his body. Him. Yeah. yeah, he'll teleport him somewhere or something. He's not dead. Or maybe we'll be, I'll be wrong next month. I don't, I'm just glad to see Legion again. I love X-Men Legacy. Oh my, I, was a I, love, little, love. I was a little depressed boy in college reading about Legion trying to get a hold of his stuff. And I was like, I can empathize with this to an extent. Uh, well, the, so it's just reason, cool to see him write him again. The yeah. reason I'm asking if Kurt is dying is because are we going to get another one of those moments where he doesn't remember how he died and legion legion's kind of almost making this confession to kurt of like you already know about why you you get it you know why blindfold's not dead and all but then he kills him and sends him back like is, is xavier backing him up up to that second so i think it really really matters if kurt is dying or not because that's one of the yeah. themes of this whole issue about meaningless death and also if you're the same person when you come back if you've missed some part of your personal development that's been abandoned which is something x-force has been talking about in that moment mm -hmm. that you died so i'm very very curious to know if kurt dies here on knowing Legion, he probably did kill him so that he can mm. have this conversation again and again and then just like torture F. them again and again. Like it's like, no, you don't know what's happening. And he yeah. knows, he's the only one who knows other than Xavier. And, and to be honest, we have never seen where Moira's no place is. What if it's in his head? I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, no, no, no. We, we, we have, we have. It's like yeah, underneath, the, where it's underneath yeah. in the in the sea. It's like below. Yeah. It's like the negative of Krakoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, that's fine. But the thing is, oh, before we go, there's like other Krakoas growing up in other continents. Well, it looks like it might be wherever Arako is heading. Yeah. 
like you know there's like other like you know other like it's like continents and stuff like that and last thing little jamie like you know jamie dupes like just clapping at magnificent yeah that's fine i love that and the I elephant love, guy i like yeah, the elephant man <laughs> they're like all clapping like you know, i love the jamie dupes because they're just all over just doing little things I doing little them. things here and there yeah, yeah. well i think so. that that really draws together that i think a lot of people came into this thinking this was going to be the nightcrawler religion book and it's going to be to an extent clearly the data pages have framed it that way but this is going to be kind of the every possible wrong thing about Krakoa but also every possible structure of Krakoa and how the wrong things are supported by the structure and how the structure supports the wrong things and if there's any way to get out of that I think in a way it is the most important X-Men book yeah. right now and I'm Without so I mean I, I would pay any amount of money to read issue two right now in whatever stage of production it is, it is in currently but that my friends is the end of our discussion of way of x number one what a discussion i mean when i tell you that i again i outlined so much stuff my outline alone is a thousand words and yet these pictures we're transmitting to you said a lot more than those thousand words about this issue which is part of the thrill of getting together to do this because what does that allow us to remember every week every issue for you x-men is better when it's read together that's right and if there has been any X-Men issue that as great as it was for me by itself, I got so oh. much more from other opinions. It's this one. I would invite you for a book like this to reach out and hear opinions. Your take on Read it alone is just, it's just one thing. Please go to our colleagues at Comics XF. Check out what people are saying on Twitter, on every review site there is. Take in all the perspectives and help it uh, fuel your own perspective and broaden your insight on this book. So on behalf of myself, of Harry, Tyler, and Freya, thank you so much for this sticking with us in this mega-sized discussion of Way of X here on This Week in X. And we will be back here on Crushing Comics with more discussion of our X-Men comics. So please, until we see you and speak to you again, be well. <laughs>